You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from His Word today. How many of you faithfully pray for revival in our land? I know that I do. That prayer is a prayer that I pray more than any other prayer. Ask God to turn the tide and bring our nation back to Him. But I want you to understand something this morning. For us to experience revival as a nation, a lot more than prayer has to happen. God's people have been praying for a long time that God would move once again in our nation and draw this nation back to himself in repentance of our sins nationally. But it hasn't happened. We've actually gone further away from the Lord, even though we have regularly prayed that revival would come. Well, why is that? I believe the answer to that is found in a verse in the Bible that we chose some 20 years ago to be the life's verse of Fellowship Baptist Church. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 12. Here in this verse, I believe we find the secret to revival. We find that if revival is going to happen in a nation, there has to be a rebuilding of that nation. There has to be a raising up, a repairing, and a restoring that needs to be done. We could call it the four R's of revival. I'm going to read verse 12, which is our life's verse as a church, and then verse 13 and verse 14. And they that shall be of thee shall build, shall build, rebuild the old waste places, Thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations, and thou shalt be called a repairer of the breach, the restorer of the paths to dwell in, the four R's of revival. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt... Honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor seeking thine own profit. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. There are good things happening in America. And I'm glad that I can report about some of the good things that are going on right now. One of the good things is that the liberals are losing it. There is a meltdown taking place on the liberal left. And I'll just be honest with you, I love it. Since our new president took office. There's been quite a change that has happened in the leadership in America. Our security has been strengthened along with our prosperity. And I do not attribute this to President Trump. I attribute this to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who has been gracious to us. You can only imagine where we'd be today if Hillary would have been elected. America's economy is stronger than it's ever been. American workers are better off thanks to President Trump's pro-growth agenda. American workers are experiencing opportunities. Confidence is soaring. Business is booming. Everywhere you travel throughout Jackson, you will see signs, help wanted, now hiring. If you're here today and you say you can't find a job, come with me. I'll get you one. Nearly 30 million new jobs have been created in the past year. That's amazing. 
304,000 manufacturing jobs, 337,000 construction jobs. The unemployment rate is now dropped to 3.8. America's confidence in the economy has been restored and is, is at historic highs. Tax cuts and the JOB Act have taken effect. $3.2 trillion in tax cuts have now trickled down into the U.S. economy. I want to tell you something, I like the trickle down. Corporate tax rate has been cut from 35% to 21%. American businesses now are able to be competitive again. There's been a rollback in the unnecessary job-killing regulations that has strangled business in America. Manufacturing is coming back from overseas. Things look very good on the economic horizon. America is also now winning the war on the world stage. No longer are we embarrassed by our leadership. Korea is a prime example of this. Our president and his administration is doing all they can do to secure our borders and enforce our immigration laws, which will protect our safety and security as Americans. I'll tell you this, there's a lot of enemies that America is facing right now. There's been a historic increase in defense spending where our military was demoralized under our former president. Praise God, it's being rebuilt again. President Trump has confirmed the most circuit court judges in a president's first year in office. He has secured Justice Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. With the resignation of Justice Kennedy, there is, there is, with this vacancy on the court, there is a possibility that Roe versus Wade could be reversed. Who would have ever thought? President Trump has signed legislation to make the Department of Veteran Affairs accountable and our veterans now have a choice in their health care. The penalty for Obama's care burdensome mandate has been repealed. President Trump has signed executive orders to protect religious liberties. Seriously, I could go on and on and on. If you, if you want to do a little bit of investigation here, go to CBN News, Christian Broadcasting Network, and they have published 80 accomplishments that have taken place in the Trump administration uh, just in this past year. Some good news. For us who know and love the Lord and love the principles of Scripture and love America, there's some good news. I'm glad I can report that for once. I'm tired of being the bearer of bad news. But with all the good news, let's not forget we are a fallen nation. We have fallen spiritually and we have fallen morally. That has not improved. How is revival ever going to take place in America? Now that things economically appear better, Things on the world stage appear better. Is there any hope for revival in our land? Well, I believe Isaiah 58 verse 12 holds the secret to that. We must rebuild, we must raise up, we must repair, and we must restore. I want to talk just a few minutes before we get to the four R's of revival. A little bit about Isaiah, the prophet himself. His life and ministry 
expanded the rule of several kings. He was called into the ministry in the year that King Uzziah died. You remember the portion of scripture? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And it was there in chapter 6 of Isaiah that God calls him into the ministry. And he says, here am I, O Lord, what? Send me. And we use that passage of scripture often for missions. Well, Isaiah was sent on a mission. And his mission was to bring revival to the nation. Now, God hasn't changed. If revival is going to take place, it has to take place in the same way that it took place under Isaiah. He prophesied during the reigns of Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah. Isaiah and Jeremiah, the two major prophets, were contemporaries and they preached hard. And they preached faithfully against the sins and the backslidings of the nation of Israel. As you read Isaiah's prophecies, as you read Jeremiah's prophecies, it's just like you are reading about the sins of America. For an example of this, take your Bible and go to chapter 1 of the book of Isaiah. I could show you many examples of this throughout the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah. But let me just pull this out for time's sake. Uh, Isaiah chapter 1, look at verse 4. I just love having the old-fashioned Bibles. You can hear those leaves rustling. See, if you're on your phone doing that, I may think you're doing something else. That'll work a preacher up, let me tell you. But Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 4, Ah, sinful nation. Do we have a sinful nation? Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity and a seed of evildoers, children that are corrupt. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They have gone away backward. Why should I be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint from the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither modified with ointment or soothed with ointment. Verse 9, except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. I'm going to tell you what, I'm thankful to be a part of that remnant. I'm not ashamed to be a part of that remnant has left a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom, and give ear unto the law of God, ye people of Gomorrah. Drop down to verse 16. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil from your doings and before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The promise of revival if we would repent and turn back to the Lord. Hezekiah has now come to the throne in the nation of Israel. And a new day had dawned as he assumes his kingly position. It was at the age of 25 that Hezekiah took the throne. And he reigned for 29 years. Listen to what Chronicles says concerning the reign and rule of Hezekiah. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good he did that which was good. He did that which was right. He did that which was the truth. Oh, we would have leaders like that in America. Good, right, and truth. Before the Lord, his God. He had a personal relationship with God. 
And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to seek his God, he did it with all of his heart and prospered. So now the nation of Israel is now prospering under the rule of Hezekiah. Now, did that cause Isaiah to say, Praise the Lord, it's over with, I can take it easy, I can stop preaching so hard against sin. No, not at all. He never stopped preaching. He never stopped strongly condemning the sins and the backslidings of God's people, calling them to repentance. Even though things had gotten much better, the nation still was not experiencing revival. Isaiah became so well respected by Hezekiah that Hezekiah asked him if he would join him in his administration and become his chief advisor. We would call him the chief of staff. Isaiah accepted that position in Hezekiah's cabinet and together they crafted and they established a spiritual policy that reformed the nation morally and spiritually. So what did they do? Number one, the temple was repaired and cleansed. They fixed up the house of God. Number two, the worship of the one true and living God was reinstituted in the land. Number three, the Mosaic law. The law of God once again was established as the moral standard of the nation. You see, their mission became to rebuild, to raise up, to repair, and to restore. Isaiah has become known as the prince of all the prophets. Why? Because of his powerful preaching and his refusal to compromise the word of God. Over and over again, he called the nation to repentance. Go to chapter uh, 55 with me. Look at verse 6 and verse 7. Just, just a snippet of Isaiah's invitation. He'd preach, and then he'd give an invitation. He'd preach, and then he'd give an invitation. He'd call God's people to repentance. He'd call sin, sin, and then he'd give an invitation. Sounds like a good old independent fundamental Baptist to me. Listen to me, church. Don't ever stop the invitation. The most important part of a service. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him, what church? Return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Is God ready, willing, and able to pardon us of all of our iniquities? Absolutely. The results of revival are returning to the Lord. I just looked this up this morning as I was going over this message and preparing to deliver it to you. I just wondered I, how many times the word return appeared in the book of Isaiah. Return unto me, for I will redeem thee. Return unto me, and put away thine abominations out of my sight. Return unto me with thy whole heart. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord. Return, return, return. There are, listen, there are 14 times in the book of Isaiah that Isaiah says, return. Now, what does that mean? It means that they had gotten away from the Lord. And they needed to repent, they needed to turn around, and they needed to come back to Him. In the first verse of the chapter, where we found our text today, God said to Isaiah, cry aloud. Cry aloud. Spare not. Don't hold back. 
Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. I believe with all my heart that is the kind of preaching that we need today in America. If we are ever going to see revival among the people of God, there has to be a crying aloud and a not holding back and a lifting up and the blowing of the trumpet and showing God's people their sin and their transgressions. And calling God's people. Judgment must begin in the house of God. If it does not happen here, it's not going to happen out there. Do we understand that, church family? The condition of our nation not only reminds me of the time when Isaiah prophesied but it also reminds me of the spiritual and moral condition of the nation of Israel during the time of the prophet Amos. Amos and Hosea. How many remember Hosea? Had that unfaithful wife who went off into prostitution that illustrated the nation of Israel prostituting itself. Hosea was faithful and was always seeking to have his marriage restored. Eventually buying her off of the slave block and nursing her back to health. and What a beautiful picture of God's love for his people. No matter how far we get away from the Lord, no matter what kind of harlotry we are involved in, she actually became a temple prostitute. So Amos ministered during the time of Hosea. Many believed that they would take preaching tours together. It could have very well have been Isaiah and Micah were just young teenage boys at the time when Amos and Hosea were preaching and it could be very well possible that they heard the preaching of these men of God and were influenced by these men of God. I tell you, that's why it's important to get our teenagers into the house of God. Matter of fact, my wife was just talking to me this morning about this and how was a miracle when as a teenager, the preacher preached a message. She was in church because dad made her be in church. Thank you, dad. Dad mom made her go to church. She had a, she had a choice. She went to church. God got all of her heart and changed her. You need to make sure you get your young people into church where they can hear God's man preach God's word. The preaching of Amos was geared toward awakening, wake up, the nation of Israel. To let them know that though things appeared to be well on the outside, things were not well on the inside and God was not pleased with them. Thing, listen, things may look well on the outside right now and I'm glad to report the good news, but things are not well yet on the inside. Amos preached that unless there was a national, national revival, God would bring judgment. Listen to what he said. Unless you repent, God will send the fire of judgment. He will break them because of their transgression. His anger will tear perpetually. He will not keep his wrath forever. He would not turn away his punishment. He would become their adversary and he would overthrow them as he did Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know if you noticed, but we are Sodom and Gomorrah. When we can have gray, gay pride rallies in all the major cities of America, we are Sodom and Gomorrah. Amos says, Thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, If ye seek me, ye shall live. We don't, we don't take these prophecies seriously. Now either God has changed or he hasn't. 
I'm going to vote on he hasn't changed. If you seek me, ye shall live. But if you seek me not, ye shall go into captivity. And then Amos said these words, Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. It's, it's now easy when we see things seem to be improving and, and getting better, it's easy for us kind of sit back on our laurels and not be as engaged as we once used to be. Listen to what Amaz, king of Israel, said to Amos. Are you listening? Excuse me, Amaziah. And Amaziah, king of Israel, said unto Amaz, un, excuse me, unto Amos, O thou seer, thy prophet, preacher, Flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. Get out, get out of Israel. You want to prophesy? Go, go prophesy down there in Judah, but get out of our land. But prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel. This is my chapel, and it is the king's court. This is my court. Get out of here. I don't want to listen to your preaching anymore. And Amos said, okay, God, oh, okay, King, I'll quit preaching. How many of you think that's what he said? You want to fire up a good, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing preacher, just tell him he can't preach on something. Some, pe some people have come up and said, Pastor, I really would like it if you would preach on this sometime. Just come up to me and say, preacher, don't ever preach on this. I'll guarantee I'll preach on that. <laughs> Amos answered the king. He said, I was no prophet, neither was I the son of a prophet, but I was a herdsman, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, go prophesy unto my people Israel. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. Thou sayest prophesy not against Israel. And drop not the word against the house of Isaac. Therefore thus saith the Lord. Thy wife shall be an harlot in the city. Thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword. Thy land shall be divided by line. And thou wilt die in a perverted land. And Israel shall surely go into captivity. You didn't want me to prophesy, Amaziah? There's the truth. That's what's going to happen. Well, the truth is, we need revival. And our sins have reached unto heaven. I want to just take a quick gander here at some of our past and some of our present sins. In 1960, go from 1960 to 2016, there has been a 600% increase in violent crime. I was born in 1961. That's staggering. There has been a 450% increase in illegitimate births. There's been a quadrupling of the divorce rate, a tripling of the percentage of children living in single-parent homes, and more than a 200% increase in teen suicide since 1960. I wonder if it has anything to do with this, that in 1962, we took prayer and Bible reading out of the public schools. You think there could be any connection there? On January 22, 1973, the Supreme Court legalized abortion. Since 1973, there's been 58 million babies killed in America. Just recently was reading Franklin Graham, and this is some research that was done by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association stated over 90% of Christians in America are now living defeated spiritual lives. 
About 12% of all websites on the internet are pornographic. 25% of website searches are to pornographic sites. 35% of all downloads are pornographic. And one-third of porn viewed online is now by women. Eighty-five percent of teens say their parents have no idea what they're doing online. Internet pornography now ranks as the number one cause of divorce in America. Addiction to pornography is now rampant, not only in the world, but also within the church. Materialism, sexual sins... Dishonesty, carnality abound in our society. And here's the sad thing, it abounds in our churches too. Homosexuality is now called an alternate lifestyle instead of being an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Churches across America are now taking up the homosexual and transgender agenda trying to become like the world to reach the world. I don't get it. The Bible says that homosexuality should be identified as sodomy. They are sodomites. It says it's an abomination. It is vile affection. It's burning lust. It's dishonoring the body. It is wickedness. It is a violation of nature. It is shameful lust. It is lusting after strange flesh. It is filthy dreamers, abusers of themselves, effeminate, inordinate affection, defilers of themselves, a reprobate. And yet you'll hear today, the Bible says nothing about homosexuality. I'm like, what Bible are you reading? Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. And in June 2015, the Supreme Court legalized this abomination. The divorce rate among Christians is almost at the same rate as non-Christians. should never be. It is estimated there are over 6 million teens between the age of 14 and 17, who are now alcoholics in the United States. Nearly 17 million Americans, that's one in every 11 adults, are alcoholics. There are over 100,000 deaths annually because of alcoholism. There's an estimated 7.6 million children under the age of 18, live in a home with an alcoholic parent. 3,500 gospel-preaching churches now close their doors every year in America. Well, since the year 2000, there's been an 84% increase in mosques. We have 79 mosques here in Michigan alone. There's now been over 60 years of religious decline. 60 years. The church has been in decline. I remember reading this article just not too long ago, and this was it. The article says, The decline of religion in America, great news for the Democratic Party. Missions is on decline. Do you know that even during the Great Depression, when unemployment exceeded 35%, churches gave more to missions during the Great Depression than we're giving towards missions right now? Stop and chew on that for a minute. It was very common that churches would forego 
buying coal to heat their buildings just so they would have enough money to keep missionaries on the field. We have a cold building today. Well, maybe today people would come. But you have a cold building unable to be heated during the winter months. We'd close church. Wouldn't we? Come on, wouldn't we? We have to try to call everyone, hey, the power's out. It's cold and church can't have church today. As America, churches go, so goes missions. Satan knows that. The Christian Chronicle, this is an international newspaper for the Church of Christ, had this article. Evangelistic church in America is marked by decline. The number of men and women and children in the pews has dipped to the lowest level since a comprehensive effort to count members began in 1980. The dramatic decline has also been seen in the church's missionary outreach. The number of missionaries being sent and the amount of mission dollars being given has declined every year for the past 30 years. This is an article in the Christian Post. America is one of the fastest growing mission fields now in the world. The Evangelical Presbyterian News Service has this article. America is now the hardest Christian mission field on earth. I've experienced that. I've been to some 14, 15 different countries. Every country I've been through, they're wide open to the gospel, but not here. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. Stating these statistics. The church in America, and I hate to bring this up again, but we have become desensitized to the sin that's all around us. Because we have become desensitized, we have compromised with the world. The proof of that is in the rise of the contemporary church in America. Churches and pastors who refuse to compromise, who want to remain fundamental and true to this book, are experiencing a decline in their church attendance and also their membership. It's just a fact. In order to see revival take place, we have to do more than just pray. Number one, we have to rebuild. We have to rebuild, the Bible says, the waste places. These are, these are places that have fallen into decay, that have been left desolate. Rebuild the ancient ruins. Because God doesn't change and his word doesn't change. Our convictions should not change. Our standards should not change. Our morality should not change. Our doctrine should not change. I am the Lord thy God. I change not. The rebuilding doesn't need to take place on God's part. It needs to take place on our part. The Lord said to Jeremiah, See, I have set thee this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to throw down, and to build. We need to rebuild those things that have fallen into decay. Number two, we need to restore the foundations. Rebuild or raise up the foundations. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What's the answer to that? You can raise them up again. We can raise them up again. The Bible says, raise up 
the age-old foundations. Jeremiah said her foundations are fallen, her walls are torn down. What foundations are we talking about here? We're talking about the moral and spiritual foundations of a nation. And I, I, I hate to say this, but the one example that came to my mind of, of how our moral and spiritual foundations have been destroyed is just stop and look at the way our ladies used to dress 50 years ago and how our ladies dress today. Just, just one example. I like this song. Sound the battle cry. Raise the what? Standard high. We need to rebuild and we need to raise up the standard again. The third R of revival is to repair the breach. Repair the breach. What is a breach? A breach is a break. It's a gap, it's an opening, it's a rupture, it's a split, it's a schism. So here, God, why do we build walls, by the way? To keep people out. Why do we need a wall on our southern border? To keep people out. When there is a break, where there's a gap, where there's an opening, where there's a rupture, where there's a split in the wall, what comes in? The enemy. When the enemy comes in like a flood, how in the world can the enemy come in if there is a breach in the wall of protection? Why do we have walls to protect us? There are many breaches in the wall of protection that we have around our nation. Isaiah said this, Therefore this iniquity, this worldliness, shall be unto you a breach. Solomon said perverseness therein is a breach. There are a lot of breaches that need to be plugged. Jeremiah said this, The virgin daughter of my people is broken with a great breach. So here we have God, listen, I'm almost done. Here we have this great wall of protection, but there's been a, a hole knocked here and a hole knocked here where the enemy can come in. Now, what, what knocks a hole in the wall? Sin. And if that breach in that wall is going to be plugged, there needs to be a turning away from our sin. As I look at this breach also, there could be a breach, not only in the wall of protection, but a breach in our relationship with God. When there's a breach in a person's relationship, the relationship is damaged, there's an estrangement, there's, the relationship is in a broken state. Let me ask you a question. Is there a breach? Is there a breach between you and God? There's obviously breaches in the wall that need to be plugged. But is there a breach between you and God? Isaiah said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. These breaches are a result of us allowing the world to influence us. Love not the world. These breaches in the wall and these breaches between us and God. I mean, church, listen to me, please. They have to be repaired. You may have little control over what other people do, but you certainly have control over what you do. I can't fix your wall of protection and you can't fix mine. I can't fix your breach between you and God and you cannot fix mine. But think about this. 
Every time you repair your own personal breach, it's like putting another brick in the wall and closing the hole. Is our nation in desperate need of repair, yes or no? Are our homes in desperate need of repair? Our churches? Are you? We need to rebuild. We need to raise up. We need to repair. And the last thing Jeremiah says is we need to restore. Restore the paths to dwell in. This is the way. Walk ye in it. You see, if you don't frequently travel a path, that path will overgrow quite quickly. And when that path has not been traveled for some time, it's very difficult to even recognize where the path used to be. Are you with me? Every year, Isaac and I have a farm that we hunt. And every year before hunting season, we go out and we clear our paths. And it is amazing in one year how quickly those paths in the woods can overgrow. There's actually been times, hasn't there, Isaac, that we're going like, now where was that path that goes back to that stand? And we'll see that, oh, right there, there's one of those little ribbons that we tied in the tree. Oh, it's right there. You let that path go for two, three, four years. Real hard-pressed to find it. Church family, we've let the old paths overgrow. And some of them are so overgrown, we can't even see them anymore unless we get this book out right here. And this is the road map that will direct us back to those paths. I want to read to you, and I'll close with this, a prayer by George Washington when he was 20 years old. How many of you are right around 20 years old? Can I see your hand? Stand up. Stand up if you're right around 20 years old. All right. Thank you. Listen to this prayer prayed by our first president when he was 20 years old. Almighty God and most merciful Father, since thou art a God of pure eyes and wilt be sanctified in all who draw near unto thee, who dost not regard the sacrifice of fools, nor hear sinners who tread in thy courts, pardon, I beseech thee, my sins. Remove them from thy presence as far as the east is from the west, and accept me for the merits of thy Son, Jesus Christ. That when I come into thy temple and compass thine altar, my prayer may come before thee as incense. And as thou wouldest hear me call upon thee in my prayers and give me grace to hear thee call on me in thy word, that I may be wisdom and righteousness and reconciliation and peace to the saving of my soul in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. O most gracious God, in Jesus Christ, my Merciful and loving Father, I acknowledge and confess my guilt. In the weak and imperfect performance of the duties of this day, I have called on thee for pardon and forgiveness of sins. But I so coldly and carelessly that my prayers are become my sin and stand in need of pardon. I have heard thy holy word but with such deadness of spirit that I have been unprofitable and a forgetful hearer. So that, O Lord, though I have done thy work, yet it hath been done so negligently that I may rather accept a curse 
than a blessing from thee. But, O God, who art rich in mercy and plenteous in redemption, mark not, I beseech thee, what I have done amiss. Remember that I am dust. Remit my transgressions and negligence and ignorance and cover them with the absolute obedience of thy dear Son, that those sacrifices which I have offered may be accepted by thee in and for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ offered upon the cross for me. Can I say something? There's none of us in this room that pray like that. Amen? When at 20 years of age, George Washington prayed that prayer. Well, dear church family, we need to rebuild. Amen? We need to raise up, we need to repair, and we need to restore all those things that are broken down in our lives. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.